Did you ever think I could do it? Do what? The top job. Oh, I don't know, maybe. You can say. I, well, I just, you know, you're smart, you're good, but I, I just don't know. What? Come on. You're not a killer. You have to be a killer. Hey, showstoppers! Howdy! <laughs> How we doing? <laughs> you asking me? Uh, whoever. Who's gonna answer? Probably uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, post in the comments. Uh, <laughs> hit like, subscribe. Uh, sound off in the comments. Slam that like button. And tell us tell how you're doing out there in TV land. How you're doing. It's after the first of the year. It's uh-huh. 2022, everybody. First part of the new Welcome. year. Welcome. <laughs> that means we've officially been doing, no, two years? One year. Two years. Two, two years. years, Corey? Holy well, crap. Well, okay. Is that right? So, well, uh, I think so, right? Because I'm going to Instagram. Okay, okay. You see the first post. I'll check out the first episode. We're gonna make some for some really compelling audio content here, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I just remember like the the ad read that we've done. The the exactly one ad read that we've done and run on every successive episode. Twenty twenty. Hey! Two years we've been doing a podcast. Winter, second year of production here. Uh, how have the years <laughs> treated you, Jesse? Do you feel? Uh, do you feel like you've uh, achieved an additional level of mastery of your craft? Do you feel all two of your years of experience have seeped into you at this point? Absolutely. <laughs> Good. At least one of us does. I'm starting from ground zero. Every one of these we do. I don't know what they've taught me, but I no. know that they're there. I, uh, one might say that the larger world has had a bigger impact on us uh, as broadcasters uh, than the the act of broadcasting has itself. Uh, but happy two years, Jesse! Please do be happy a part to have been a part years. of it. With you. And thank you, Showstoppers <laughs> listeners, for coming along for the journey. <laughs> We love you. Follow us and leave us a review, please. Preferably a good one. <laughs> or like, there's no such thing as bad press, Jesse. If you want to, if That's we have true. angered you in some way, if you want to work out some grievance, <laughs> say you've had a weird year and a half. Say that the the uh, the the state of the world has left a mark on your soul, and you need some <laughs> outlet by outlet by which to express it. We'll be that outlet for you. Yeah. Get on By all t- means. Like, uh, be Lieutenant Dan on the uh, Bubba Gump boat, yelling at God. <laughs> be that. We're, we're the storm that's challenging your manhood. Yell at us in the comments. Get at us, bud. God knows we have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just finished up a yell sesh before we hit record. Yeah, we did. We had a good scream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt really good. It would have been terrible for your ears, but to us, it felt awesome. Yeah, for the for the listeners, we Jesse and I, as like a warm up, as a as a chips and salsa before the enchilada dinner every record, we have a little half hour jam sesh. We just uh, mm-hmm. we just get the the cobwebs out. Uh, we clear our throats. We catch up with the week that's been. Uh, this was one of our most cathartic we've ever had. This was a yeah. Je- Jesse's just come back from visiting the family. Jesse had a nice little trip to Colorado. 
Sure did. It was lovely. Um, just so everybody knows, like COVID's still here, so that's a thing. For sure. So. And it's moving quick this time, Corey. It's rebranded. Quick. It's embrace. It's pivoted to a brand new, uh, brand new uh, uh, brand strategy. Um, yes. <laughs> new name, new product. If you don't like the, if you don't like what people are saying, change the conversation. All right. <laughs> so we now have the Omicron variant. This sexy, sleek little motherfucker is just <laughs> ripping through folks at an alarming pace. Uh, work is decimated. The streets are empty, save for the ghouls scavenging for their last night's meal. Uh, Omicron pizza rats. Pizza rats are out in force. They've taken over. They've taken over the police precincts at this point, Jesse. It is not good, everybody. It is not good. The city is a shell of itself. And who do we have to thank? We have the Omicron variant available now at your local everywhere. Go out. You can get it whenever you want to. Go ahead. Breathe in that fresh New York air. You'll never know what might come with it. Remember when it used to just smell like piss and that was enough for us? Yep. It was a simpler time. It was a simpler time. It was time. much simpler. We liked it a little bit better when we could smell pee. I wouldn't recognize the city if you couldn't. I've barely been out of my house, so I have no idea what you're speaking of. <laughs> so yeah, Jesse, Jesse had a nice little trip to Colorado to see the family. I'll be seeing my family for a late Christmas thing or later yeah. in the month. Uh, so shouts out uh, Kathy and Hanson and all my Oklahoma people. Um, but while Jesse was away, I got to do my favorite thing in the world, which was uh, dog sit for Mr. Scotchy, king of my heart, Scotchy. ruler of the skies, beautiful <laughs> angel baby number one. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much, Jesse, for the opportunity again to spend time with my precious baby angel, Scotch. Thank me. Heck no. Thank you. That was amazing. Like, what a what a spoiled little dog. He didn't have to leave his house. This man. He could just stay right here. It'd be easier to list the times where he wasn't being pet over the last week or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the man he, the man was coddled a little bit. I'm sure he was. He is a cute little guy, but gosh darn, he is a needy, needy dog <laughs> okay so here's uh here's my big question for you do okay. you and jason still play tug of war with scotch we have no choice okay good okay i thought okay because i i leaned into it like basically day one because if i were to stop petting him because you could give the scotchy go lay down and he's very good about this he yes. picks up on social cues uh you have a non-spectrum dog great um <laughs> he'll go lay down for a little while and then he'll recall how good he had it moments before. Mm -hmm. And then like, mm -hmm. let, me, let me back in there. Why did I ever leave that shit? I can even <laughs> pet right now. And then you'll tell him again, like, no, Scotch, we just discussed this. Uh, I need a break. I need to do something else with my hands for a moment, please. Mm -hmm, He's like, mm -hmm. all right, bet. I got you this time. Don't even worry about it. And then he'll discover his toys again. And yes. now it's like, ooh, ooh, got turned down for a pet. How about I ask to take play. over both of your hands for an extended <laughs> period of time? So then he'll bring over the squeaky hippo or he'll bring over the the the, the like the destroyed stuffed animals at this point. <laughs> Legs barely clinging to their husks. Uh, and he and he would like to make angry noises at you for several minutes at a time and play with oh you. Oh my gosh. He thinks he's such a freaking tough <laughs> he's guy. He's such a tough dude. He's, he's like <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's making direct eye contact and yeah. he's making he's making the noise several seconds before he has the toy in his mouth and then he's doing, doing like revving up like a nascar about to pass you coming up and he'll look at you the whole time while you pet his pretty little head and make <laughs> demon noises at you and it's hey, did you ever get this toy action oh yeah that's my favorite one so jesse's see indicated- what it does to his teeth <laughs> yes it makes him look terrifying yeah exactly <laughs> So Jesse is indicating there's this beautiful, how would you describe this thing? It's an it's orb? Like a, a hexagonal shape. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's a it's a ball that has- It's a photonegative um, soccer ball. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect description. Thank you. Uh, but it's made of this like really, really stretchy rubber stuff, really soft, really gentle on the teeth. And it creates nothing but handholds and points of egress. Uh, and it's the it's the best tug of war toy. And it makes Scotchy's teeth look as though they belong to a more dangerous animal. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'll send you the video later we got last night, but it's pretty Hell yeah. menacing. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, he's such a needy little guy. Even when like he's getting some mm-hmm. pet and you yeah. stop petting him yeah. for a minute he'll like he'll he'll be like on his belly yeah. and then you know his head thrown back and then when you stop petting him he'll lift up his head yeah and look at you like uh i didn't give uh-huh. you permission to stop yeah exactly so we had a good thing yeah, going here pal yeah <laughs> i'll tell <laughs> you when your break is guy. exactly <laughs> right Scotchy has a lot of negotiation power within the the dynamic of being pet. Uh, so Scotchy will give you the eye if you stop petting him. And then he'll start to make little whiny noises as though you're hurting him by not petting him. You're, you're withholding joy from him, which I was. Uh, and then he'll start to get angry about it and be like, as though I've given you two chances to correct your error, Corey. I would like I would like to seriously discuss the future of your employment at Petting Me Industries. Uh, and then, and then, unless you give into it, he's going to go grab a toy and force your hand into it. Correct. So, correct. Good boy. Good boy. Nice negotiator. That is my dog. Well, we appreciate you watching him. Did he sleep <laughs> with you in your bed? He did. He did. So Scotchy does a very cool trick when I stay over, which is uh, he doesn't start the night with me, uh-huh. but he comes in at about seven a.m. every day. Yeah. Uh Uh, Because he's on his own little clock. Uh, He does not know that I have responsibilities outside of the household. Uh, He does not know what my internal clock is like or what I've set my alarm to. Um, Oh, by the way, sorry for resetting your alarm. Those birds were waking me up every morning. I was wondering. (laughs) I was so, I thought about it like halfway through and I was like, ooh. Is my alarm clock going on? <laughs> no, no. I am so sorry about that. No, because it would be scotch at 7 a.m. It would be the birds at 8 a.m. And my alarm was set for 9, 9 a.m. So that wasn't working. But no, he would do this thing where he would come into the room and cry for permission to get into the bed. Yeah, yeah. So I would then have to wake up and beg him to join me. <laughs> So I would have yep. to pat the bed Virgil. Scotchy, I would love for you to come join me. Come here, Bubba. Come here. And then eventually he would, but he would lay exactly where I was laying in my repose and make yep. me sleep diagonally on the bed. <laughs> so, yes, he was a lovely partner. I loved sleeping with him. So it's so funny was we were wondering because he does the exact same thing to us. Like, it'll be yeah. like in the wee hours of the morning, he'll come up and you can kind of hear him like, I want to get up. Uh-huh. Can you move so I can get up? <laughs> and then we're like, all right, Scotch, come on up. Come on up, buddy. And then he gets up. He always sleeps on my side. And so I have to move my feet like Uh halfway up the bed. So he has his little spot. And then I have to like move my legs around his body Mm -hmm. to find a comfortable position. And inevitably, if he comes up when I don't notice, he'll take all of the covers. And I'm like, (laughs) damn it, this dog. (laughs) 
Well, he runs he runs cold. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it's yeah. important for him to self-regulate his internal temperatures it is for peak performance. All right, Jesse, enough of this nonsense. What are we here to discuss today? Well, just after the holidays, I think the best thing that we could possibly do is spend some time with family. And today, we're going to spend some time with possibly the best or worst family on television, uh, which is the Roys. And we're going to talk about succession. And I'm pumped to talk about this three-season debacle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three-season slow-motion car accident. Yeah. Exactly. Of Waystar Royco and the family that runs it. <laughs> Okay. We're going to talk about Succession. I can't wait. That's right, uh, this is This is a show that I have come into recently. I watched it post-accident in, you know, my couch coma um, mm-hmm. because we were looking for a show to binge watch, and this is the one that we decided <laughs> to choose. Um, so I've come into it recently. So I got to binge it all the way up until the second to last episode of season three, which was really nice because I got to see it all at once. But you have been watching... For a little while, right? You've been yeah. watching since the beginning. I've been here since day one, bud. Uh, I remember the uh, at the time, this was just an exciting, like maybe project uh, that was meant to be kind of a portrait of the Murdochs. I think it was intentionally yes, meant to yeah. be a more one to one parallel of their story. And Adam McKay was producing, and I wasn't totally familiar with Jesse Armstrong, the person. I had seen his prior show, Peep Show, which is phenomenal one of the best comedies ever made um i'll i'll show that to you at some point i'm not sure how you'll take it um but (laughs) so i was like tangentially familiar with it and it was always kind of like well okay they're doing a show with brian cox by rupert murdoch that sounds pretty good to me um Mm -hmm. but it it took a while at least like three episodes i'll say before it dawned on me that like this this is the best show on television. This is the best. Nothing's written wow. this well. Nothing is cast this well. This is the best ensemble that's been on TV in years. It is the absolute best. But let's let's dive into Succession. What do you say, bud? Let's do it. Best All show right. on television, though. I got to tell you, that's high praise. <laughs> it, I, I don't take it lightly. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I think whenever Succession is on, it just... It I don't know. It, it vibrates at a frequency that is very much for me. And I think it it's... I, I'm sure you would agree. It's extraordinarily watchable for a broad swath of yes. people. It's a popular television show. It's not doing Game of Thrones numbers. Nothing ever will again. <laughs> However, uh, it, it usually does capture a certain part of the zeitgeist because it speaks very clearly, distinctly, and and in such a funny voice about the world we live in today and the people that got us here to begin with. Totally. Agreed. Speaking of which, so Succession tells the story of the Roy clan, as Jesse established. The Roys uh, are in charge of a giant multinational conglomerate called Waystar Royco. They have theme parks, they have film studios, and they have primarily uh, news studios. Um, the Roys are meant to be a kind of fictional analog of the Rupert Murdoch family, or the Murdoch clan, I should say. And it tells the story of the children, the spawn of our patriarch Logan Roy, vying for power and control of the company uh, and being the most despicable people on God's earth. (laughs) Yes, they are truly despicable people. It is hard to know at first how to watch the show because you're like, oh, all of these people are awful. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hate them all. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
I think that's the funniest. That's the funniest part of the show is stepping back and realizing that yeah, you could make an argument that these are the worst people ever to have appeared on television, uh, notwithstanding <laughs> like war movies and shit like right. that. Um, right. Not like not uh, outside of depictions of Lucifer. Uh, these are perhaps <laughs> the most vile human beings on television. Uh, however, uh, what is the follow-up statement after that? It's like, okay, yeah, you, you're gonna watch but it. We love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the funniest shit. Like, we're going to make you watch the most vile, repugnant people on Earth, and they're going to be awful to one another. And they're going to be basically these little dung beetles carrying their shit (laughs) up the pile, and they're just vying to see who can carry the most shit up Dad Mountain. Uh, It's pathetic, (laughs) and it's so funny, uh, and and a part of you connects empathically to the people that you're watching. Like, like... Uh, name a more well, vi- part of you go ahead. A, par- go ahead a part of you must feel like oh as you're watching the show with these people like okay there's gonna be some redeeming qualities about these people i know it there's good there's they're uh-huh. gonna show you something that's gonna make you like them more nope but then inevitably they surprise you by not doing that ever by sinking lower <laughs> yeah absolutely. yes exactly you're um, and that's really of- interesting you're left at the end of like your analysis of this show with the thought that the only thing that redeems these people is that they're people. They are human beings. Yes. And so yeah. are you. Uh, and these are simply exaggerated traits that each of us possesses within ourselves. And I think that you find yourself at some points like feeling bad for them. And then you're like, why? Why? Why do I feel bad? I shouldn't feel bad for these people. Uh-huh. Like, it's good that themselves. this is happening to them. It's good. Exactly. <laughs> but And yet, yeah, you're drawn back. Uh, but... There's been a lot of dialogue and discourse in in popular media over the last decade or so. Does uh, depiction equal uh, support uh, or uh, consent to behavior? Uh, this show kind of like laughs in the face of that idea. It's like yeah. these people are going to do awful shit and you're going to keep on watching because there are people in the world that do awful shit, but they're not as funny as these people are. They're not as attractive as these people are. And they, they the, the, the dynamics of this clan in real life would be just the most venal stupid uh just uh power hungry crazed dipshits at the height of control of the the levers of government and society and it wouldn't be funny it wouldn't be fun to watch it wouldn't be dramatic it would just be shitty it would just be shit um, yeah so- and i think part of it is that like this shit is happening in real yes, life of course. So, so like this is a way to watch it without feeling totally depressed about it but you still kind of feel totally depressed about it <laughs> and, and there's a sad to that too which is like yeah. we have no we have no power against this the forces None. that be will remain the forces that be no power has risen in the world that could topple this outside of uh, an absolute like extinction level event to level exactly. everything and just bide time while we create the exact same system again so how sad is it that we've dramatized this behavior like we've in put fact there was a movie that was it. just uh, made about that by so the same producer you... by the <laughs> exactly. same producer so and and have you you've seen that right i just watched it yeah and i, I don't want to spend any time at all uh, covering don't look up but uh, <laughs> he's a real hit and miss uh, uh producer and creative force isn't he this adam mckay uh, <laughs> he sure so, is <laughs> it's a 
luckily, he's not behind the wheel of this one. Uh, he handed over creative control to Jesse Armstrong, the main mover and shaker, the showrunner on this show. Uh, and directing responsibility, responsibility, yikes, falls mostly on Mark Mylod, uh, who's directed most every episode, with the occasional guest supporting director uh, stepping in to, to helm particular episodes. But The other thing I think is kind of interesting about this, isn't Will Ferrell like a main producer on this show? Well, yeah, sure. So <laughs> that's another thing that's really interesting is that like he and Adam McKay were producing partners up and through the creation of Succession. They had a pretty recent falling out as creative partners and oh, as friends, did. it would seem. Yeah, I think there was like a Vanity Fair profile of Adam McKay where he kind of outlined very candidly like – uh, Will really wanted this part and this thing I was producing and we were already kind of on unsteady footing in our friendship and uh, like business partnership and I, I didn't end up casting him in it not realizing what kind of effect that would have in our friendship so they are no longer uh, maybe speaking that none of this wow. is any of our business uh, no. but no we have Will Ferrell still gets a production credit on this as having been part of the production team behind getting it up and running yeah interessante yeah so there we go. Where do you want to begin? Because uh, we, we've kind of chosen the format of let's take it season by season. Let's do our little beautiful burnished nuggets recaps of each of these seasons. Uh, where does season one find us, Jesse? Where do we begin? So season one begins as we're sort of like waiting to see. It quickly becomes apparent that like this old guy, Logan Roy, he's running this huge, he's a big mogul. He is the CEO of Waystar Royco. Titan of he, industry. Titan. Uh, what does someone call him? He's a like a brontosaurus or something. Yeah. Um, he he's just this this giant guy. Everybody knows who he is. He controls everything, um, and so it's very clear that he is about to pass over or or announce the the next in line. Like, what's going to happen if something happens to me? This is the person who's going to take over, and right. it is inevitably going to be one of his. Four children, although uh -huh. really three children. <laughs> three children, yeah. <laughs> he does have four children. One of them does not want any part of the uh, of the running to the heir of this company. Or so he um, says, yeah. Or so he says <laughs> at this point in the show. Um, so, you know, they are going to go to his birthday party. They're going to figure it out. But he decides that he's not going to say anything at all. And he doesn't announce it. She and, doesn't. you know, this is great. This is a great Logan moment because... I think he's such a chess player. Like he knows exactly how he's going to tick someone off by not saying this or by yes. saying this. And this is definitely one of those moments for Logan. Um, and Kendall quickly becomes the like the heir apparent. He's been working for it his whole life. He's spent all of his time and energy making sure that he was in the right position to do this. Um, and Logan doesn't give it to him. Uh, and this is great because it happens at this baseball game, which we should spend just a moment talking about that. <laughs> That's right. there's, there's such a great there's such a great thing that happens at this game so they're playing baseball on this like island or whatever uh -huh. somewhere in new york that they took their helicopters to and um there's this great moment where um what's his face aka roman. uh roman roman yeah <laughs> uh roman roy played by kieran culkin macaulay culkin's brother um mm -hmm. which is great this is his breakout moment separating from one his, might uh, one might days. say that i think macaulay culkin has become kieran culkin's brother in the positive imagination yes exactly yeah. yes exactly um and he's so good in the entire series so we can't we'll, we'll spend some time uh on him but roman decides to say to this kid who's watching the game of like the caretakers of this grounds presumably um hey kid if you if you 
if you hit a home run, mm-hmm. I'll give you a million dollars right now. I'll write the check for you. And you're just like, what is he doing to this poor child? Uh-huh. And inevitably, he does not hit that home run. Nope. And then in comes, I, I've been calling him like the closer, yeah. uh, the, the person to come shut, shut everybody up after something bad happens uh-huh. to them by the Roy family. And they pay him off <laughs> uh-huh. uh, not to talk about it, right? Yeah, they give they end up giving him uh the, the watch. watch that Tom had bought for Logan. So there there are layers to that. This 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 is our introduction to the family squad. Uh we mm-hmm. have uh Logan the patriarch, we have Ken- Kendall the 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 up and comer, uh the eldest boy, uh second eldest truly, but the eldest of the uh, children <laughs> who are in contention to take over the throne eventually. We meet Siobhan, their politically minded ostensibly big air quotes time folks, good sister. Uh and <laughs> And we meet uh, our, our beautiful goblin. We meet Roman Roy, played by Karen Culkin. He's just the most vile sea creature on this show. Um, so good. <laughs> but the, 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 if you were to like, if you were to try to convince an audience of new viewers to detest a group of people more, you, I, I don't know that you could have done it better with this analogy there. They've, they've probably woken these people up on this like upstate or Long Island uh, residence right. uh, to come man the field for their shitty ego baseball game that they play <laughs> every year. Uh, they just call it the game, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a regular thing. Roman writes the check in front of the kid. Literally writes it. And then tears it up in front of the kid uh the the, these people are they they have it's not enough for them to be rich and careless about the rest of humanity that they are destroying it's it has to be that they have outward contempt for these people and the very best behavioral you'll get from these is they sent their fixer to go calm everybody down afterwards there is no (laughs) there are there are no consequences for roman in this scenario that they they live on a higher plane of existence light bends around their form they are masters of the universe they 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 exist in an outer plane for the rest of us and presumably there have never been any consequences no. for the Roys. Like no. they have lived their whole life doing whatever shitty thing that they want to do and they've gotten away with it. So they they know no consequences at this point. Correct. Correct. Nor will they uh, presumably ever. All right. right. So so while while coming back, after having disappointed Kendall, passed him over for a succession, uh, d- uh, Logan has decided to stay in the in the seat of power at Waystar Royco and not retire. Uh, he suffers a stroke on the on the helicopter on the way back home and is rushed to emergency care in the hospital where the rest of the family and uh, the members of their C-suite. Uh, it's a great time to start talking about these folks are major players <laughs> um, go into action mode. Uh, they go into their battle station mode uh trying to uh manage the press manage pr manage their shareholders manage expectations of the company all while the children begin their machinations to seed power or to take power rather uh mm-hmm. from their from their father's ailing hand uh you want to talk about some of our executive team jess you want to run us through the the major players here Sure. So we've got Jerry Kelman, who right. is uh, one of my favorite characters in the whole show. Um, she is played uh-huh. by Jay Smith Cameron, um, and she's like essentially like the lawyer of uh, of yeah. Waystar Royco. Um, she manages, uh, you know, 
if anything goes wrong, how to handle it, um, what they should say or not say. Um, and she is she's really good at um, identifying how to interact with the sort of different layers um, of uh, like executive branches that Waystar Royco has to Correct. deal with. And maybe one of the most shrewd like backstage players in the entire series. Essentially, you know, running the majority of the company while the uh, while the Roys flit around and do whatever it is that they're yeah, doing. CEO and all but title. That's exactly right, yes, Gary Kelman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, who else we got? Um, let's see. We have got Frank Vernon, played by Peter Friedman. Um <laughs> Frank, uh, Frank is just like always there. He's sort of like the the uncle of Waystar Royco. He's right. always been around. He's a partner to Logan. Um, I think the first first or second episode they talk about how much Frank mean or Logan talks about how much Frank means to him. Right. Um, and then plays a very up and down character throughout the rest of the season. Correct. Um, but I don't know what is his actual role. I don't actually know that. I I couldn't tell you. So yeah, it should be established no that I don't think either of us are masterminds at the the world of uh, global finance, of uh, no. news broadcasting, or the inner workings of a boardroom. Uh, but no, no, Frank, he's the the second uh, second hand. He's the right hand man to to yes. Logan Roy outside when Jerry's not available. Yes. And Carl, you know, Carl Muller, he's another one. I don't actually know what Carl does, but he is always there. Carl <laughs> always avoids a part danger. Of it. Carl exactly. avoids, avoids any kind of responsibility or danger. And he is a player. Just always. I think I think Car- I, nothing brings me more joy in the show outside of a certain bromance that we'll talk about uh, yes. forthcoming. But Car- I love Carl so much. And David Raish has always been around in these like in the loop kind of shows. He's been a longtime partner of, J- of Jeff. Jesse Armstrong. I love him so, so terribly. Carl's my dude. Um, <laughs> Look, full disclosure. Yeah. I am um, currently having a panic attack. <laughs> and that brings and us then, to the, the only women allowed to exist in the C-suite of Waystar Royco. Go ahead, bud. Yeah. Carolina, who I actually don't remember who she is. You would you would know her if you saw her. Uh do you remember in uh season 3 uh where uh, Kendall runs to the the car after the press conference and he's has exactly two people in the car Greg. Oh yes, yeah, yes, yes, that, yes. That's Carolina. Carolina. She's like Carolina. she's like PR. That's um, exactly right. She, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She does. She manages what what should go to the press, what what they should say, uh how they should say like when Logan is deciding to go to or to not go to his daughter's wedding, what they should say about why he's not there. So she has among um, the tougher jobs of anybody in the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Jess Jordan, who is Kendall's assistant. Correct. Um, uh, is is also always there. And what I love about Juliana Canfield's performance is anytime Kendall does something or like there's a <laughs> crazy conversation happening, like her, the look on her face is uh-huh. so good. Yes. Juliana Canfield has been given, uh, she has just about as many episode credits as anybody on the show. She's always there in the background. Yes. She shows up to work. Uh, she's given a silent film performance for most she of her is. time on screen. Uh, just the most expressive face you can get. Uh, yeah, she she is our reaction surrogate to the, to this world of high finance. Yeah. Um, so that's our that's our group and now this group sort of when anything I love how you described it as like battle stations because anytime something blows up they literally go to the computer (laughs) 
Like you're watching an episode of Star Trek and they're getting ready to you know, confront some alien uh, <laughs> intruder. Uh, that is what they do. They sit down. They literally, in most cases, bring all of the equipment to wherever they are. In this case, in season one, in the first episode, a hospital and figure out what they need to do uh, to to. Just what they need to say about why Logan is in the hospital uh-huh. uh, and the fact that he's in a coma. Uh, and <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And that happens more than once. And they, I think they literally call it something like the battle station uh, when the, they the, set these stations. Yeah, up. it should be said that I don't have the best recollection for some of the uh, like the fun jargon of this show. Yes. Uh, a, lot, a lot of the humor comes from just like the, la- the well, the, the inside baseball jargon that's used on the show, but also just like the word play of people being filthy to one another the entire time. Dirty show, folks. Um, but yes, yes there, there is always a fun name for whatever they happen to be doing. The writer's room is having a good time on this show, Jess. Absolutely. <laughs> How could you not? Um, so the, a lot of season one is really about the recovery post Logan's brain aneurysm uh, or stroke that he has. Right. And they have to figure out, you know, well, the kids obviously are figuring out who's going to take over. And Kendall obviously is the one staged for the job. Um, and yeah. so then it's sort of about that, that movement. And Kendall also kind of like assumes power. Uh, he's the one best positioned to do so. And he works alongside Jerry to kind of lock himself in as interim CEO, acting CEO of the company during his father's um, uh, just like like healing process. Uh, but Jerry also informs Kendall at the same moment uh, of a an astronomical debt that Logan has taken on uh, and risks repayment if their stock price dips below a certain marker. So suddenly we're in the movie Speed out of nowhere where they can't let the stock <laughs> yeah. price dip below a certain marker. But it, it, of, of course it does, inevitably. Uh, the company is suffering as a result of Logan's incapacitation. All public faith has been lost in the company. And suddenly it becomes time to repay the creditors that Logan took risky uh, debts out from years ago, uh, which forces Kindle uh, to secure the services of Stewie, a play by Ariane Moyed. Uh VIP recurring character uh, Ari Moyeta Stewie Um, but now he's suddenly in business with Stewie who is being puppeted in a way uh, by Logan's arch nemesis Sandy Furness behind the scenes Uh, this show's so good Uh, so, so Kendall has taken the mantle without permission from Logan has put himself in arrears with these creditors. uh, And despite having paid them back, he's now put the company in bed with the person that Logan detests most in the world. So after Logan- Do they ever really address why he detests Sandy so much? They've never gone into detail about it. Uh, But yeah, so Logan hates fucking everybody. Um, (laughs) Logan likes himself and whoever he's engaged in an affair with throughout the series. And then he tolerates and out Right, loathes every other human being on earth. Um, but for knowing that there was one person in his history that did something to piss him off that bad is very funny. Like, what could Sandy have possibly done to Logan Roy? Uh, exactly. <laughs> my presumption is that like Logan couldn't beat him, I guess. He's the yeah. one like he's the one tulip in the tulip field that he couldn't stamp on and level. Uh that that, that continues to irk him to this day. Love Sandy. Yes. He beat him at a game of chess when they were 12 and he's exactly never forgiven right. him. Some double. <laughs> Cut him in line at Whole Foods. Who gives a shit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, and and I don't think Kendall knows. Yeah, they don't know at the time that that Sandy is um secretly running. You know, Stewie's Stewie's no, partnership there. Yeah, and never would have consented to the deal if he had. Right, exactly. But but interestingly enough, I think after he makes a deal with Stewie, Sandy sort of shows up at Oystar, uh, and it's sort of like a weird to check in on Logan, to uh-huh. check in, uh, air quotes, um, on him. And it's sort of like a weird timing, which you don't realize in the moment because um, you <laughs> he, don't know the detail. He's got a seat on the board now. Yeah, he has yeah. a controlling interest in Waystar Royco. Uh, exactly. So while we're at the hospital, uh, and I swear to God, we're going to wrap up season one in a moment anyway, because we're yes, going we, to we'll do a little time quickly. jump, I promise. Uh, yeah. But we're using the hospital as a means of introducing the rest of the family. We also have the extended family. Uh, we have uh, Logan's current wife, uh, not the mother to any of their uh, children. They are, they're childless together, but uh, married in late age. Uh, we have Marsha Roy, played by Haim Abbas, wonderfully played by Haim Abbas. She, as she is the boss <laughs> just like the real lady macbeth energy i guess but really yes. just like uh just the most like woman from a war-torn country who had the bleakest childhood imaginable and has somehow through grit and determination levered her way like crowbarred her way into this incredible seat of power as the wife of a billionaire uh, magnate uh love love hi i'm a boss she takes kind of a back seat in later seasons as logan mm-hmm. uh, logan's business developments and and uh rendezvous take him elsewhere but love marcia can't get enough marcia uh I would say that the second most important uh, uh, partner in the show is Mr. Tom Wamsgans, the absolute Tommy. best character on the show. I totally agree. I fucking love Tom Wamsgans. <laughs> I love Tom. Tom. So now Tom- go ahead. We go have ahead, to please. acknowledge here because this was a big transition for me yes. as a Matthew McFadden fan uh-huh. because he uh, is famously. Mr. Darcy from the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice Pride and Prejudice movie, uh-huh. uh, which I was obsessed with when I was wee teen, um, <laughs> and I loved him. And Mr. Darcy is a character that never speaks. And really, in this show, yes, like barely talks. Um, this show is the opposite. <laughs> Tom Correct. talks yeah. all the time, <laughs> and has and is the most like. The most like wriggling little worm character on the entire <laughs> yeah. show, like just this grotesque little shit, uh, who's <laughs> who's pulled the same like trick that Marcia has, yes, but he's done it through being this pathetic little, uh, obsequious little guy, this little goblin gremlin hanging out in the in the margins, and has somehow managed to, uh, his way into a relationship with Siobhan Roy, uh, the favorite child of Logan Roy, and is thus positioned, uh, to either. Uh, ascend to a level of great power uh, or take the rap for all the company's misdeeds. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a little foreshadowing for season two there. Um, but yeah, Tom Walmsgan is the best character on the show. I love him so much. I'm so repulsed by him in the first few episodes, but I, I've come to have the most emotional affection for Tom over the course of the series. I'm not yes. alone there. I think I think no, you're general <laughs> consensus is uh, audience sympathies tend to align with Tom pretty pretty uniformly. And I would say, you know, we were talking a little bit about how do you sympathize with any of these family members, and right. you you really don't. No. But I think the reason why why Tom and a character that we're coming to in a moment here. Um, Ooh, get ready. Uh, and and these two, you get so much sympathy for them is because they're the most likable 
people on the show. And they're the most um, relatable, I guess, people on the show in the sense that they're trying to figure it out and they kind of trip over themselves uh, right and left. And um, (laughs) they also are like trying to play this game as well and trying to figure out how to play the game among these titans. And um, they're they're pretty great characters. And like whenever... Whenever they are in a scene, I'm like, all right, great. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> it's just the joy that overtakes my face whenever these two gentlemen are on the screen. Let's rip yes. this Band-Aid off. Let's talk about our number one boy, the world's favorite. We have Greg Hirsch, Cousin Greg. Greg, Greg the Egg. Greg the Egg. <laughs> Okay, so maybe the biggest revelation... Okay, two revelations of this show. Because I I did not have your relationship with Matthew McFadden before going into the show. He was entirely unknown to me. So what a a joy this is. I had never seen him before, to the best of my knowledge. Um, What a a supernatural talent that man has to convey what he's conveying there. very good. Like, maybe, like, honestly... Jeremy Strong gets a lot of burn for his performance as Kendall Roy, as well he should. He's in the pantheon of all-time great TV performances. Matthew McFadden is doing God-level work as Tom yes, Wamsgans. Uh, there, there, there is no more like textured and dense performance on television than his. But we, Tom isn't Tom. Well, let's rephrase. There is no Tomlet without breaking a few Gregs. Nicholas Braun <laughs> as Greg Hirsch, who is the stoner, slack, like loser, burnout cousin to the Roy family through sheer like cosmic luck and dent of his lineage, um, is able to get a job at one of their theme parks as a mascot, gets too stoned, throws up in the mask, gets beats up, beat up by a bunch of kids, and is forced to forced by his mother, some distant rel- relative of the Roy family to come crawling to Logan Roy and beg for a job. Uh, and as such, he becomes implanted as this accidental major player in the Roy dynasty and is given the job of, uh, I guess, assistant to Tom at ACN, their cable news network, the equivalent of Fox News in this universe. Uh, but then we have the Tom and Greg show. We have the oh, the, the one true it. pairing of succession, the one true love affair. It's so beautiful what do you think about tom and greg my man i love tom and greg the best part of the show in my opinion i think they're (laughs) so fantastic together and i think we meet um tom and greg meet at logan's like birthday lunch or whatever and uh, that's where greg is is coming to ask for (laughs) his job and it's sort of like how did he get there in the first place like nobody knows why he's there or how he got there who he is for Uh that matter and um Tom sort of sees it as an opportunity to be like, oh, well, uh-huh. here's here's somebody who doesn't have any agency. Let me go uh, slap him around a little uh-huh. bit because here's that's the what they've all per- done to me. That's exactly right. There's finally a, a, a rung was constructed on the ladder below mine, and yes. I'm going to step all over it. I suddenly have a <laughs> foothold within this family, and it's this fucking kid, Greg. So the first scene of them on the baseball diamond, uh, it might also be softball, by the way. Uh, not, not a oh, sports sure. podcast leave it in the comments for us if you want um but tom confronting greg and bullying him and asking do you want to kiss me uh do you want to fight me i'm kidding i'm not fucking kidding i will fucking destroy you this is like this is dessert and they're serving it before the appetizer it's so beautiful i love our beautiful boys so much (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think it's safe to say that the best the best part of the show for me uh, is is those two. I think they're so much fun to watch, and I'm really glad to know that you are aligned in thinking that. Oh, it's easy. It's uh, the best show on TV. It, it, yeah. It's the Tom and Greg show. Uh, <laughs> and they have major roles to play coming up in future seasons. But moving on, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we have have to sort of fast forward a little bit to the end of season one. Um, yeah which is the most important part of season one, um, where Shiv and Tom are getting married, which is a very questionable choice on both of their parts. Um, um, but it happens nonetheless. Uh, and we'll, we'll quickly mention that Shiv has been having an affair um, yeah. and it confesses that to him after they get married. Yep. <laughs> After they tie the knot and says, I'm actually not really good at being in a monogamous relationship. Yeah. So um, this is going to have to be an open relationship after he has said I do. <laughs> giving him all, no choice, essentially, but to agree. Yeah. And Tom goes with and it because he's a striver. Yeah, he, he, has, exactly. a, he has a whole 10-year plan. Yeah. He's power hungry as much as the rest of them. And, and and you'll notice that like in every conversation about Tom or that Tom has, he's always looking to where he is going to gain something from it. Like, well, right. what about me? What about me? What does that mean for me? Uh, which is really interesting. Uh, he's definitely playing the game as much as the next person. Um, and at the wedding, so Kendall, uh, in his deep depression after not getting um, – the sort of succession that he was hoping for yeah. goes back to his old vice, which is drugs. <sighs> uh, and we see him sort of this spiral downwards and return to, uh, you know, basically any drug he can get his hands on uh, at that point. Right. Uh, which, which leads to a head at, at the wedding. Do you want to, you want to <sighs> tell us what happens? I would love to. Absolutely. <laughs> Important to note at this point that as uh, Kendall, after having been rejected and rebuffed by Logan, after he uh, regained his health, has decided that Logan is no longer uh, mentally sound or uh, uh, bodily sound enough to run the company. Uh, uh, code for I would like to run the company and he's not going to give it to me, <laughs> so I'm going to take it. So he has entered into a side hustle with Stewie and Sandy Furness, Logan's arch enemies, uh, to wrest control of the company. Uh, there's one abortive attempt at a uh, hostile takeover. Uh, yes. uh, Kendall loses the votes necessary in a an agonizing fucking speakerphone call uh just sweaty kendall on the turnpike just begging begging his siblings to come to his rescue and they're not there logan wins again uh so now he's bringing out the big guns he's bringing in sandy and stewie uh and they have prepared a hostile takeover what they refer to as a bear hug uh which would basically force the hands of the shareholders of waystar royco um to declare that logan roy is no longer fit to run the company and install kendall as ceo and giving sandy and stewie a larger piece of the pie does that sound like right yes okay cool uh so we're gonna lean on each other with no expertise whatsoever yes. in the matter <laughs> there's so, a lot of details in this show that are hard to remember <laughs> exactly uh the show's all details and they're all great uh <laughs> so at the wedding uh so basically stewie informs kendall that they have arrived at the bear hug ahead of schedule and the time is nigh that they will have to drop the bear hug against logan uh so shortly after uh, uh siobhan and tom tie the knot um kendall reveals to Logan that he intends to take over the company. Um, 
out of his uh, frustration and uh, adrenaline with the matter, uh, Kendall uh, finds himself seeking drugs. Uh, he sees one of the waiters at the wedding outside smoking a J and figures, hey, maybe I talked to this kid about securing uh, some cocaine. Uh, kid says, not so much, but I can get you ketamine, et cetera, et cetera. He, Kendall says, I'll drive. So on a nighttime drive to secure drugs with this kid he just met, um, they almost hit a deer. They veer off the bridge into the water uh, where the kid drowns and Kendall despite some fairly valiant attempts to save the kid's life we learn later on um, flees the scene dejected and goes back to the hotel or the castle rather where everyone is staying they're at a castle that's they're literally at a castle (laughs) but by the way that's that's a footnote to every episode in this show is that this is happening basically in space or at the top of a mountain (laughs) or or in the most beautiful country like Italian (laughs) villa you've ever seen so they're in a castle so uh, Kendall flees back to the, the place, falls asleep finally, wakes up the next morning, uh, and learns that Logan is totally aware uh, of the scenario. Logan, oh. uh, his team found the car. His team found Kendall's security tag for the hotel uh, in the in the lake. Uh, he's dead to rights. Kendall is powerless in the negotiations now. Logan's got him. Uh, and the season ends with uh, Kendall surrendering to his father and acquiescing power at last. Oh, it's so sad. It's so awful. So first of all, this, the end of season one is like so tragic, right? And you're watching this, this kid literally lose his life because this guy wants drugs and it's terrible. Uh And then, and then you see Logan uh, or Kendall running away from the scene and you're like, what? You're just going to leave him? Like, what are you doing? Like, no, you can't do that. And then um, him like changing his clothes, putting on the exact same suit, which he apparently brought two of, um, and going <laughs> back to the party so people see him. And so it's obvious that he was there the whole night. Like you just see the game in his head and what he's trying to do. And then completely losing everything that he has worked for the next day <sighs> when his father grabs him by the balls and says, I got you, son. Mm-hmm. You're not mm-hmm. going to do anything anymore. It's heartbreaking on so many levels. It really fucking is. And Jesse, I tell you what, the only time I've ever had doubts about the series as a whole, and it's like, I doubted the creative forces behind it when the car crash happened at first. Uh, but as soon as he has that conversation with his dad, where it's it's not a power struggle anymore. He knows he's lost and Logan embraces him, shows him love and tenderness and says, it's going to be okay. And you know that Logan has fucking won. It's crushing. It's You see Kendall's soul leave his body. He's just completely deflated. He's got nothing left and just gives over of himself to his father and is subsumed by him. Uh, That's that's season one in a nutshell, folks. That's Uh, it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then you get to season two, which luckily I didn't have to wait long for. That's and right. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking did. Yeah. You're literally like, how is this going to play out? And so talk about detail. Like if season one had a lot of detail, season two has maybe twice as much uh, like nuance, I think, um, uh-huh. with what they're trying to do specifically with the company. Um, but, uh, you know, you just sort of see, you just know that Kendall is going to be this broken person. And that's exactly what you get almost the entire season he he probably doesn't even actually like have that much dialogue in season two he just is like 
he's just a shell of a human mm-hmm. <laughs> in season two because and he's his are, dad's minion. He's his dad's minion. And that gives us, like, the show gives us very clear demarcation points between seasons. One could say that season one is Kindle's season by and large. It yes. has the securing of Valter as an acquisition. So they basically bought BuzzFeed or Vice or whatever the analog would be. And that's what he secured for his dad. He has his hostile takeover attempts. And then he's left as a shell because he went again. <laughs> he, he, he came for the bull and he got the horns. He did not come correct. Uh, so season one is Kindle season, which brings us to season two, which I would say is Siobhan season. Yes, uh, we, definitely a we finally... season. <laughs> so, oh, wait. Um, Sorry. Before we move on, there's one yeah. really important detail we forgot about season one, which is arguably the funniest moment in season Go for one, it. which is at Shiv's no, but... wedding. <laughs> And Roman is very proud as COO of this this thing he's organized, <laughs> which is this rocket ship launch. This Japanese and satellite launch, yeah. Yes, and he thinks that all anyone cares about is his rocket launch, and he has done this. He has moved the date up so that it could be at Shiv's wedding as Shiv's wedding present. And um, he's like, can we broadcast it at your wedding? And she's like, no, it's my wedding. You're not going to show a rocket launch at my wedding. And there's this great moment where he goes in the bathroom to watch this launch and it explodes uh, <laughs> it completely fails yeah and he runs to jerry and is like hey this thing happened are there any deaths and she's like well probably did you see what happened and uh turns out we found out later in the wedding that like we have only lost a finger and an arm um and yeah. he's like that's it that's all we lost and there's this moment of jubilee that that's the worst that has happened when in reality it's still very terrible it is so funny like that is why this show is so funny mm-hmm. it's like because in the background what? roman almost led to several deaths uh yes. roman's almost a mass murderer but wasn't so it's cool <laughs> and the great moment where he's like what you should also probably know jerry is that i moved it up and there are emails that say that i did that uh, <laughs> Uh, so you're going to need to fix it. <laughs> yeah. And that, that cements like the partnership ongoing between Jerry and Roman, which if it yes. weren't for Tom and Greg would be my one true pairing on this show. They would, they would They would be my favorite Second part best. of the entire series. Second, Second best. best. Right? <laughs> so... Effectively, we open season two with Kendall having been completely disassembled by dad. He's in Iceland at this drug like spa retreat, which looks fucking incredible. Yeah, it looks like, nice. Oh boy, you you couldn't tear me away from that place. But Kendall is torn away uh, because he is being called to make an emergency statement backing his father in the last minute against Sue, Stewie and Sandy. So Kendall. Having effectively murdered a boy uh, in England and gotten off scot-free from it, uh, has the specter of death over him and guilt, uh, is forced to go on live international television to say, I saw their plan, dad's plan is better, uh, and show that he is going to be basically the lapdog of Logan throughout the rest of the series. What did you think, Jess? Yeah, I mean... At some point in this season, you just get so bored with Kendall because you're like, oh, God, Kendall. Mm. Um, But he has no choice. Like, his hands are literally tied. Um, (laughs) Couple of of other, like, interesting things that happen this season. We get to know Connor a bit more in season two. Yes, we do. Connor is the eldest son of the Roy family who (laughs) decidedly doesn't want anything to do with Waystar Royco right. at this point in time uh, is dating I don't even remember her name sadly her name um, is Willa yeah. Willa that's right he's dating mm-hmm. Willa who we learn is a call girl I yes. guess that's how they met um, uh huh 
and he falls in love with this call girl and he loves her and actually at the end of season one at the wedding there's a point where someone says well what do you do connor and she says well connor doesn't really do anything and it sort of rubs uh-huh. him in the wrong way <laughs> and? Uh, <laughs> and so he decides well i should probably do something and he has this light bulb moment where he's like mm-hmm. you know what i'm gonna fucking do i'm gonna be the president Correct. Correct. And he decides to run for president. Okay, let, let's do Connor Corner. I fucking love Connor so much. And he's uh, he's the most, like, uh, uh, sidebar of the children. He's from Logan's prior marriage to a woman we've not met in the show's chronology. Um, so Connor, Oh, I don't think I realized that, actually. I thought they yeah. were all from the same mom. No, Connor has a different mom. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons he's kind of left out of the bargaining table for control of Waystar Royco, because he was the first pancake. He didn't come out right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and and the other kids are part of Logan's rejuvenation attempt. We get hints in season three that Logan plans a third rejuvenation attempt and maybe an, to sire another child to do it, get a do-over on life, uh, to maybe hand it over to them. Anyway, so Connor has been kind of like given given the keys to his little side castle uh, uh, to Waystar Royco. He is a billionaire by dint of his birth. He lives in this massive, like, is it New Mexico where they are? Yes. They go to family therapy. uh, Yeah. New Mexico or Arizona or one of those. Arizona. He lives in one of the plain states and one of the desert states. And he has this massive estate with this huge, gorgeous chapel. And he spends his time uh, in in, antiquity. What is the word there? Antiquity. 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 Thank you. So he uh, has bought Napoleon's penis. Uh, He just (laughs) spends his days basically uh, on whatever billionaire eBay is, spending his money on useless pieces of of history. Um, But yes, he is also a fierce libertarian, which is the funniest political viewpoint on the spectrum. Uh, And uh, out of a a desire not to be taxed on his capital gains, (laughs) decides to run for president of the United States, having never had a real job in his life. The best. Love yeah, Connor. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Connor's pretty great. So he he has this whole like sort of campaign this season. Yes, and he sort does. of every so often um he'll sort of say something like, Oh, well, I'm running for president, and people will look at him like, No, you're not. <laughs> All right, bud. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, sure. <laughs> uh that'll be fun for you. <laughs> Uh, and that's pretty great. So I, lots of big details in season two. One of the biggest is um, their dealings with the Pierce family. Uh, Logan has this idea that he wants to buy uh, the news, essentially. He does, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he has ultimate control. So we meet um, the Pierce family, which has a lot of different layers to it. But namely, Nan Pierce that's is right. our our matriarch. Um and they call call them to a meeting together. Oh, we actually oh gosh, we're missing a lot of details again. So this is this is a tough season to talk about, I think. Uh, but anyways, we'll talk about we'll talk about PGM with the Pierces for a moment. Um, and so they they sort of agree to sell, but only if um, Kendall decides to announce that Shiv will be the heir apparent to Waystar Royco. And Correct. And he, he cannot agree to that, even though the detail that we had forgotten to talk about, mm-hmm. he technically had already promised it to her in their trip to um, uh, the Hamptons. 
Correct. So yes, uh, Shiv in, at the end, very end of season one is part of her. Uh, well, no, it might be the start of season two. Who knows? Start Who cares? season two. Okay. Start of season two. She has uh, left her job as one of the campaign strategists for this universe's equivalent of Bernie Sanders, basically. Uh, yes. So she has, uh, having taken on that job of this leftist politician, um, has put herself in contrast to the rest of the family and is seen publicly as like the good, clean face of the Roys um, and their by uh, has more of an in with the Pierces, which are basically I don't know the name of the the real life analog family here, but they're it, like the New York Times is family owned and it's like a dynastic mm. publication. So this is effectively meant to be the 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 center left counterpoint to the far right uh, Waystar Royco news empire. Uh, and Logan has wanted to acquire Pierce for years it's been his white whale um i think he has a new white whale every season by the way yeah, i think probably. Like, they're having fun with that uh but yeah that's that's maybe my favorite uh, uh episode from season two is their actual convergence with their mirror mirror versions of themselves uh <laughs> <laughs> and it introduces us to a couple of major characters uh we've already met Rhea jarell at this point played by holly hunter my very favorite in the entire world um kind of expected more for the character over the course of the season but yeah. uh she is a effectively the go-between between between the two companies uh and at at some point strikes up a romantic affair with logan in her vying for power she's just we meet her actually at waste Uh royco where there is a um uh, there is a an emergency moment where they think there's a, a gunman in the building. Uh, in reality, <laughs> somebody right. had just had just I think shot themselves or they had committed, committed suicide. suicide because of their and, complicity uh, in the in the world today. Yeah, exactly. And and of course the the major Logans, the Kendalls, and the Logans, and the and in this case the um, what's her face Rhea, Rhea um, yeah. end up in this fancy schmancy uh, holding room. Yeah, panic room. Yeah, <laughs> panic room, and Tom and Greg <laughs> Tom doesn't <laughs> uh, end up in this little office where um, Greg says to Tom, "I need, I want more. I, I want to talk uh-huh. about like maybe getting a little bit more out of my out of my journey here." And Tom proceeds to get really frustrated and throw water bottles at him, which is a fantastic scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a breakup scene. Yeah, yeah. It's not me. It's you. I want to. I want to see what else is out there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but this is the first, yeah, bump in the road in the relationship between Greg and Tom, and the first time Greg has like exerted a part of himself, like yes. has uh, shown shown some personal agency against Tom. <laughs> when Tom thought the agreement was, "I have all the power here, and you are simply the lower <laughs> the rung but below me on the ladder." Um, so yeah, they they're able to negotiate with Rhea in the executive panic room hi scotchy um, <laughs> there he is <laughs> for a potential buyout offer uh to the tune of about 25 billion dollars which kindle is able to negotiate uh kindle's in a full attack dog uh like uh he, he is just the pit bull uh like healing at logan's heel um and shiv is surprised to know that despite having been brought in nominally nominally by logan at their uh, house in the hamptons that Kindle is still more inside than she is. Kindle is still yes. the one with the negotiating power, uh, maybe because and of just experience his, and experience. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. So he has the years of experience with Logan, knows the verbiage, knows what Logan's uh, breaking points and negotiation points are. So he still has a bit more influence over the old man than she ever will. Yes. 
True that. <laughs> but they've leveraged themselves into the conversation. So we meet the Pierces. We meet uh, Naomi Pierce, uh, maybe my favorite character addition this season, um, played by Annabelle Dexter Jones, who I was not familiar with before. She's no. really great. But uh, yeah, she's Ken- good. Kendall finds his first bit of solace after the accident in his mirror, mirror version from the Pierce family, who uh, is effectively like the Lindsay Lohan of the Pierce yes. family. Uh, yeah, she's had her run ins with drugs and the law in the past. Uh, Got Waste a bad our, accident. Uh, bad accident, which raced our Royco was the uh, big flag bearer of uh, keeping on the news 24-7. So she loathes the company for her own reasons, but uh, they, they fall in love to an extent, as much as they can, I guess. Uh, they see yes. themselves in one another. Uh, they both they have the shared, deep-seated desire to just take the money and run, but kind of also know that they never could do that. They lack the power to do so. But they do empower one another, and they also empower one another to just kind of lean in to be... Uh, uh, functional drug addicts. Uh, so Kindle has been effectively high ever since uh, the episode uh, at the Pierce compound. Yes, for right. sure. Uh, and he's sort of, again, a pathetic character to watch in season two, but he has his little moments where you're like, yeah. And and Logan, Logan like seems to really like him. Like he likes his son, you know? I mean, he maybe like he is, even- certainly too strong of a word but like he has a special spot for him because Mm -hmm. he's his his son that he had anticipated taking over his company one day yeah um and he sort of can't see past that and sort of the other people around him start to see that too it's always going to be kendall kind of thing sort of yeah yeah. he likes his children exactly where he wants them yes Um, yeah what's the line in the third season he's never loved something more than he uh, more than just so that he could kick it just to watch it come back you know (laughs) so that's that's how you get Logan to love you. You let him kick you and go back and and declare fealty to him again. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, he's got Kendall right where he wants him, and this is the most. This season has the most affection that we've seen from Logan. Uh, poisonous though it may be, which all of the kids do as well. Like, sure, they they kick their things yeah. so that they will you know come back to them, um, which is really interesting. Uh, you see it in all of their relationships. You see it in all of their like business dealings uh-huh. um it's pretty it's pretty pretty great <laughs> correct uh and things seem to be going pretty swimmingly for uh the roy clan at this point they're in advanced negotiations to uh, acquire pierce and better leverage their control of all news media across the globe uh but then a little secret from season one creeps back up does it not jesse uh so in season one tom is made head of acn news or president or acting president or something uh and he's brought into the fold and uh hit the outgoing president uh his predecessor shares with him the secrets that have come up from the crew's division of Waystar Royco. Um, mm. It becomes apparent that over the course of several decades, uh, Lester, Mo Lester, uh, a senior executive <laughs> of Waystar Royco, longtime director of the cruise's division, um, has a history of having um, sanctioned sexual abuse on cruises, uh, covered up murders uh, via extortion and bribery of local police at different ports around the globe. Uh, basically a yes. monster who passes away in season one, but he's left this uh is it the snake pit 
the the poison pit, whatever. Uh, this this world of secrets and incriminating evidence against the company uh, that Tom has become custodian to. Uh, Tom in season one tasks Greg with going out to destroy these documents that link him to this uh, this scandal. Uh, but Greg, sharp eye though uh, as he is, um, pockets a few of those documents for um, insurance in down the road, just in case. Just in case. There's this great great Tom and Greg moment where they're sort of in the hallway and he's like hey you know like I kept a few of those documents like just in case uh-huh. and I'd like to to move up in the company so uh-huh. like if you could if you could make that happen that'd be great you know yeah, like Greg or else. says not for nothing I could destroy this entire company and you in particular exactly. uh so exactly. if you wouldn't mind getting your foot off my neck so I can have my own job thank you very much yeah and Tom is like proud of him he's like you son wow, of a bitch you got me Greg good job <laughs> it's so good I love it and <laughs> And Kendall has a similar moment with Greg in the, the season finale of season one, where Greg is like, I'm I'm the kind of guy you'd want to keep around. So just so Fuck you know. And me. Kendall's like, okay, Greg, I see you. <laughs> Love Greg. Love him. So he's on the come up. So yes. uh, at this point, uh, it is... Um, it's made apparent to the Roy clan that during their advanced dealings at this big, like tech business summit, like jerk off session for billionaires in the mountains, um, <laughs> yes. that uh, it's about to become news that there has been this massive uh, company wide cover up of these secrets from the cruise division, uh, which could tank the company effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. Nan gets spooked, pulls out of the deal. Pierce is suddenly off the table. Rhea Jarrell is fired from Pierce for her collusion behind Nan's back with the Pier- with the Roys. And Which, everything- fair enough, right? Fair like- enough. <laughs> I, might have, I might have made the same call, Nan. Uh, it should be said, quick shout out, Cherry Jones, fucking A. Cherry Jones, yeah, always great. great to see her. Wonderful New York stage actress, just the best. So uh, anyway, so Pierce is off the table. Everything has been destroyed uh, just in time for Logan's birthday in Dundee, Scotland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Rhea Jarrell has been taken into the fold and is made C- interim CEO of Waystar Royco instead of the children themselves. So Shiv, despite having made her way in closer to the Logan, despite having compromised all of her beliefs to get closer to this position uh, and finally secure a place within the family, uh, is passed over once again for Rhea. Another child passed over. Bye-bye. <laughs> Sorry about you. Sorry. There's also some really great moments between Rhea and Marsha. Oh, yes. Um, where, where, they, uh, where they kind of have this little back and forth. Like, she knows that, that Logan's kind of sleeping around. And there's a great moment where she says, I'd really like for you to get tested because I also still sleep with Logan and I'd really like us all to be clean. Please. Thank you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Marsha. Marsha. <laughs> what a dig. <laughs> Got her ass. Yeah. So, so uh, where does that leave us? Where it leaves us yeah. with, ah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, you had it. I, I was looking to see where we are. Right. The so they, they journey back to Dundee, Scotland, uh, Logan in, in a really crushing episode um, for, for PR strategy. Uh, it becomes apparent at the same time that the family of the dead kid from the season one uh, is angry with uh, Waystar Royco because Logan had at some point yelled at the kid for getting his order wrong or something like spilling a drink or something. Yeah. Uh, so they are pretty convinced that Logan is responsible for the death of this boy, that he drove himself off a bridge after being so distraught from this meeting with him. Um, they do not know the truth of the scenario, uh, but Logan effectively 
actively forces Kendall to go back to their home, uh, to the home of the dead kid, uh, and sit in their kitchen uh, and accept a glass of water while he has the PR meeting with the family. Uh, oh, so awful. So that that may have been the moment, the moment of cruelty from Logan that convinces Kendall to do the following. So um, <laughs> in, the, in the investigation, uh, uh, Tom, Greg, Logan, and Kendall are all called to appear before Congress, before uh, before uh, uh, Shiv's ex-boss, Gil Evis. Uh, this, uh, so they got to go talk to Bernie Sanders about they they done a bad yeah. thing. Um, they got to go to court. <laughs> They got to go to court uh, and cover the the cover their asses in front of the whole country. Uh, they managed to do so pretty spectacularly. Tom, not so much. Tom completely fumbles and fucks up. Uh, Greg doesn't do great, but acquits himself fairly well. Uh, Kendall comes through, um, and he, his motivations are his own for this. But Kendall launches into this tirade uh, against Gil Evis. And pretty effectively sways Congress that uh, that this is a personal attack against Logan Roy, and is it's not in the public interest to pursue these charges against the company effectively. At the right. same time, Shiv is deployed as the girl in the room to meet with one of the victims of the cruise line scandals uh, and yes. convince her not to come forward, which might be among the most vile thing that a character has done in this show. Maybe. Yes. Uh, but, but basically um, doesn't even strong armor is really real with her saying effectively, this will ruin your life. You will be known for exactly one thing. Uh, it will appear in your obituary. Your kids will uh, <laughs> live with this for the rest of their life. Uh, so you could do this and it is the right thing to do. And we deserve it. We have it coming. However, if you don't come forward, here's a couple of million bucks. Your life is better forever, and your kids <laughs> never have to know something happened. Would I would take that fucking deal? I absolutely uh, would take that deal. Um, <laughs> so she convinces women not to come out, come forward. It's it's vile. It's poisonous. Uh, but in doing so, uh, gets back in the good graces of Logan and secures future position in the company. There she goes. She did it. She did exactly what she set out that's, to do. That shiv's come up. That's that's her little ascendancy point. So uh, after all of this brouhaha with Pierce having been lost, uh, with Sandy and Stewie on the back burner, they still have uh, a vetted interest in the company, but they're not really a threat to the organization any longer. Um, they go on a little cruise, don't they? Uh, they, they take the yacht out. Take that beautiful yacht. Oh. I'd love to go on that yacht. That would mm-hmm. be amazing. Uh, but it, yes, well, they, yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> they go out on this yacht and they're essentially having this conversation about like, who's going to take the br- the blame for yeah. this? Like so- someone's got to fall. Yeah. Uh, and there's this great moment at, at a table where they're all pointing fingers. Well, it <laughs> should be best. this person. It should be this person. <laughs> well, it probably should be me. And oh man, it's so good. Um, Not even stabbing and, each other in the back, just taking turns no. stabbing each other in the chest, just yes, like looking exactly. people in the eye and throwing them under the bus. It's astounding. Full frontal work. stabbing. Um, <laughs> and ultimately, I think we we all think it's going to be Tom. Like Tom's got to take the fall. Um, you know, he was the head of cruises when this all came out. Blah blah blah. Um, and then ultimately Logan, I think, decides that it's going to be Kendall. Yes, Kendall's yes. going to take the fall. Because fuck him. He, he yes. came for me. Fuck him. He's going to jail. And do you exactly. think, because like Kendall is a valuable asset to Logan at this point. Kendall saved them from Congress. Uh, Kendall had secured Walter and then went out and shut down Walter uh, in my favorite scene of the season where he, <laughs> he liquidates the company, busts their union, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just vile shit. Um but do you think it's out of affection for Shiv, in uh, who is suddenly in his good graces, that he spares Tom the rod in this episode? What do you think it is? 
I don't necessarily think he cares about Tom that much at this point. I think, um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. He certainly cares about Tom at the end of season three. He definitely um, does. Which we'll get to in a moment. But yes, um, I think, I, I don't know if it's punishment. I don't know if there's like a plan there. I don't know why he chooses Kendall. Like, why do you think he says that? I he knows he's gonna get him back, maybe. Yeah, um, maybe. like he's gonna be the dog that return, the retriever that returns to him. Right, and he knows that he's the one person he can fuck over because no matter what Kendall has on him, he's got something bigger on him. Right, um, exactly. He the, he can always pull out, and I want to say I can't remember the name of the security guard, uh, but he he uh, becomes basically a specter that haunts Kendall over the success of two seasons. Um, they the, they have Kendall dead to rights, so he can do basically whatever he wants with them. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe I'm over thinking it um he just knows yeah Kendall. i think i think it's just that he's got him in his lap you know he's yeah. his little lap dog exactly. and yeah and so he goes to take the fall mm-hmm. and the great season end to oh. season two is that kendall does the exact opposite of what we expect him to do yes, and he sits down at his little little newsroom announcement and says my dad is a bully. Uh, my dad is not fit to run this company, and I will be fighting against him for all of season three. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Let's go. <laughs> best best season finale in TV history. I don't know. It's up there. I don't know. But it's, the best, oh! the, the interesting part is that um, you know he sort of you, it, it, the season ends on Logan sort of watching um this this unfold uh-huh. and you sort of see this like hint of respect uh-huh that logan has for what kendall did he's like all right son yeah like i see you he gives <laughs> us a little thing. a little mona lisa smile uh, yeah exactly because because in the in the episode prior he had made the he had leveled with kendall and said it, it's not going to be you because you're not a killer you're not right. a killer, man, and you have to be a killer. And then That's he right. finally yes. saw, he sees his son as the killer he could be. His son yep. lived up to the promise of his birthright, uh, and he's proud of him. Uh, angry though he may be, he's quite proud of him. Um, <laughs> Goddamn. Great. That, the second season is my favorite season of the show, pretty easily, I think. Uh, three, I can see kind of growing on me, and we'll get to that yeah, in a moment. Yeah. But the, I really, really love, there's so much to love about this season. All the events are the best. Uh, the characterization is the best. Tom really comes into his own. Anyway, we skipped over one million things in the season. I know. It's uh, so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it should also be said, like, another running footnote of this. This is the funniest show uh, on television. Right I know. Now. We're uh, not even talking about the funny no. shit that happens. We're talking about the business, <laughs> the boardroom and shit like that, uh, yeah. which is kind of the drama that keeps you coming back. But the reason that we really love being here is that these are the funniest people on earth they hate each other so much they hate each other's fucking guts uh and uh yeah it, it, wonderful shit from everybody there um but yeah that brings us to season three let's take it home jesse let's talk about On the most the recent season right yeah so again a season full of details and plays and um <laughs> <laughs> lots of different like chess moves to to unpack here but suffice to say like at this point kendall has now sort of regained some sort of power back Correct. And so he is now trying to get everybody on his side. 
<laughs> Correct. And we pick up a season three immediately, like seconds right after, after the second season concludes, because uh, we fucking have to. There's there's <laughs> no time jump that would make up for a lost time here. So Kendall, uh, we meet up with him, having outed the company. Um, he's in a dry bathtub in the first of this season's drowning motifs that will follow us along the season. Um, he is scared out of his mind, having a panic attack as uh, Carolina and Greg sit in his hotel room outside outside the bathroom door trying to coax him out to life. Um, Kendall does whatever he needs to do. Wink, wink, sniff, sniff, exits the bathroom, and they uh, join the motorcade of Waystar Royco vehicles and flee the scene as press hounds them on their way out. Um, Goddamn, just propulsive shit. So it should be said, you know what happened immediately after the season two finale of Succession? No. COVID-19. So we, it hit, Almost immediately after, so production stalled. Uh, you'll, I'm not sure if you're aware of this watching the third season, but suddenly a lot fewer vistas, way fewer locations in season three. Oh, um, interesting. A lot of scenes with fewer human beings interacting with one another throughout the entire season, which gives it gives us this kind of like chamber piece, like behind the scenes feel to the whole season, but very small, very contained. Uh, and some have said not as much fun. I disagree with that. Mm. I'm having a blast with the season, uh, but there are no like there aren't as many Austerlitzes. There aren't there's no Prague episode to be certain if you don't count Kindle's birthday. Um, but anyway, so season three disaster. Uh, they're they're back at their battle stations. Jesse uh, Logan is in the Balkans where he left off last season. Uh, he's in the air conferring with his C-suite power power brokers uh, of how do we control the fallout of this? Uh, is there going to be a Department of Justice investigation? What do we do about this? And they're forced to land at this shitty <laughs> Balkan in uh, uh, Sarajevo, this shitty hotel where he has to eat a chef's salad and plan his next moves forward. Um, at the same time, uh, in episode two, Kendall convenes with all the kids. Uh, yes. He brings all of his siblings to uh, a character we've not mentioned at all so far, but Rava Roy, his ex-wife's apartment. Uh, yeah, Kendall has kids. Kendall has uh, uh, two kids, one adopted, one by birth. Uh, his do- and every his- time those kids are on screen, I'm like, I feel so bad for those kids. It's bad. He's got an autistic son and an adopted daughter that uh, that Logan wants nothing to do with. Logan actually physically hit the boy in season one. In season um, one. Oh, <laughs> hit him with a can awful. of cranberry sauce. Um <laughs> But God damn it. So uh, he he's at his battle station. He is hired. Uh, this uh, attorney, Lisa, played by Sanaa Lathan. Uh, very, very good. Uh, love seeing Sanaa Lathan, even if it's a, kind of a minimal part this season. Uh, but he has snaked her out from under uh, Waystar Royco because he has a lot of public goodwill in his corner right now, having exposed yep. the big bad men. Uh, he is on the right side of history, or so he thinks, and is working with a lot of like social capital at this point, which he intends to weaponize by hiring a PR firm uh, of uh, well, I, I can only remember da- da- Dasha Nekrasova from the Red Scare podcast, which you would fucking <laughs> loathe. Uh, but she plays Comfrey and becomes a love interest to Greg further in the season. Oh, um, Greg. Yeah. But, but what did you think of uh, season two? My my favorite episode of the season. Their, uh, their, their family get together in Rava Roy's apartment. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so at the beginning of season three, the, they basically, um, Kendall calls the siblings in and says, I want you on my side, essentially. Uh Like, this is the right way to go. And, um, they have this conversation and 
you know, realize again that, you know, Connor's not there. <laughs> um, which is hilarious. <laughs> not a which just happened, yeah. happened twice now. And that they have a sibling meeting and forgot to invite Connor. Correct. Um, which I love. But at this meeting, um, Kendall kind of puts his foot in his mouth, for lack of a better way to put it. You know, like they're right. questioning him and asking, you know, how they think he's going to get away with this. And the meeting, well, two things happen. One is um, uh, Logan sends them a box of donuts to basically Ooh. remind them that they're children uh, and they're you know, having a conversation about mommy and daddy or whatever. and They're playing toy soldiers, yeah. Exactly. And it's not going to work. Uh, and then Shiv sort of questions it, and I think Shiv is sort of somewhat invested in Waystar Royco and the promise that was given to her at one point, um, particularly now with, like, Rhea out of the way, there's maybe bigger chance for her. Uh, and Kendall going in a different direction as well. Um, and Kendall insults her like terribly and <laughs> basically throws every like misogynistic comment you can imagine at her as she's leaving yeah. his apartment it's uh, and shit. It's, it's bad like it's not good like kendall rough um but he almost has them of, too he almost yeah. has them he makes and an impassioned he, speech about like we are let, let's take stock of where we are right now as a family we mm-hmm. are each of us to some degree complicit in what happened because we we lived off the spoils of this company while they were doing this and to some extent we all knew his his nickname was Lester the Molester. We knew a little bit and pleased with his siblings to to admit complicity in uh, the downfall of the company uh, and guilt in everything that's transpired, but also sell them the idea of a brighter future. I think right. the foot the foot in the mouth part is not hit what he yells at Shiv on the way out. It's insisting that he will be installed as CEO if they're able to take over the company from Logan. Um, he continues his insistence that he was born to do this, that he deserves it, that he should be the one in power when every bit of evidence we have for the series so far is that he should be the farthest fucking thing from power. He should be in rehab. He should be a father to his kids. And the kids naturally resent him for insisting on this part of the deal uh, and reject the offer after having been given the donuts and infantilized by daddy. That's correct. Yes. Um, and the the great thing about this moment is it's sort of what Kendall does all season. Like, whereas we hated Kendall in season two for being such a, like, toy, in season three, he's just a douche. Like, he just, tr- like, tramples all over everyone he comes in contact with. He sure with. does. He becomes, like... He becomes quite like his father, you know, in a way. Like, he doesn't really care about anybody. Um, And he's obviously also very sad and depressed and doing a lot of drugs during this time as well. Yes, he Um, is. And it's 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 not pleasant to watch because it is a spiral downwards. But you really see him just become a terrible, terrible human. Um, He's mean to everybody that comes into contact with him yes he is and spiteful as well and spiteful yeah he's kind of like when we when we meet him in season one he is exactly the the child of a billionaire we would expect him to be and it's it's delightful because he's uh kendall's entire self-perception is his driving force he sees himself as a man of the people uh as a like when we see him like rapping along to the beastie boys before his first board <laughs> meeting or before his first meeting with walter in episode yeah. one of the series that's all we need to know about him he named his son after alan iverson he's just this like <laughs> hype beast shitty new york kid 
kid who happens to have billions of dollars behind him. Uh, and this season we see him coked out uh, at half power, but with the, right. the, the wind in his sails of the Basically, goodwill. Twitter's behind him. Twitter's right? yeah. behind him. Exactly. And that's all he's got. <laughs> and at the at every opportunity, uh, he's trying to affirm himself as a good person, mostly to himself, but also to the people around him. And he still wants love from his dad. Yes, he keeps going back to that serious will. daddy issues. Oh, it's 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 this is this season is kind of the tragedy of Kendall, but um, but per the structure we mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier, you you don't have to take credit for this if you don't want to. Um, this is kind of Roman season at this yes. point. Uh, Roman has and. Can we do a quick footnote about a the maybe the biggest thing we missed from season two? Yes. The sexual relationship yes. between Jerry and Roman. So <laughs> Ro- Roman's Roman sexuality has been a running gag and a deep mystery throughout the entire series of succession. Uh, we first see him act out by masturbating onto the windows of his new <laughs> office in the Waster Rico building, essentially uh, jerking off onto the New York skyline. Uh Roman is a detestable little worm and a, <laughs> and not a sadist, but he he's a masochist, essentially. He, he convinced his siblings to put him in a dog crate and feed him ch- uh, chocolate cake out of a doggy bowl, which is revealed. Which he thought episode. he was forced to do, but then they quickly remind him, like, no, you wanted that. Uh-huh. This is part of the game he's played inside of his head. He's, he's a little pervert, and we don't get a ton of pervert, like sexual perverts on television, so this is nice and refreshing. Uh, but he develops a, 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 a mommy relationship with Jerry over the course of the first two seasons, which culminates on him basically requesting that she dom him over the phone while he jerks off. And they (laughs) develop this kind of like BDSM mommy, mommy son relationship. Oh, it's Uh, so good. It's so good, Jesse. It's so fucking good. And like, there's been nothing in this show that's made me like open mouth gasp. At what I'm seeing on television, uh, like the the phone call and then the rendezvous at the Pierce estate between Jerry and Roman and their <laughs> ongoing chemistry. Uh, imagine discovering as a showrunner halfway through your uh, the run of your series that the best chemistry on the show is probably J. Smith Cameron and Kieran Culkin. Uh, They have this natural friction and electricity between the two of them. Uh, (laughs) They've they've known each other for years and years. They were in the movie Margaret together. uh, Kieran's worked extensively with J. Smith Cameron's husband. Uh, uh, And imagine discovering you have that stick of dynamite in your pocket halfway through the show's run. So good. They're so fucking phenomenal. And uh, born out of that sexual relationship, is this kind of unity, this kind of solidarity yes. between Jerry and Roman? An alliance, exactly. Yes, in survivor terms. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but they've formed this kind of, they've gone through this crucible together and they've not fallen in love, but they've formed a friendship. They formed a partnership and alliance. So yes. now uh, Jerry is being supported for CEO by Roman in these uh, turbulent times, a, a job she eventually lands, even though it's mostly title only. And she's uh, kind of set up to be a sacrificial lamb for the company, which fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> but Jerry. Jerry, Jerry has also counseled Roman through his little uh, like baby's first business school venture. Uh, she's she's put him up. She's kind of bigged him up to Logan at every opportunity, very subtly in her Jerry way. So she's secured him a pretty uh, a pretty high role in the company at this point. And Roman at this point, having proven to Logan that he is he's a killer and he's disgusting and he has no morals whatsoever. Uh, Roman has proven that he's a reliable power source for Logan to work off of in this season. Yes, he is. And there's this great moment where uh, I think at Kendall's 
birthday party, which is just a stupid mess. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> also hilarious. But um, uh, he actually ends up getting closer to closing a deal with this app that Logan wants to buy. Uh, and right. essentially, he is the one, Roman is the one that closes it or gets gets them closer to that deal. And, uh, gets and them a conversation. Own, he gets his uh, conversation with Lucas Maxson, played by Alexander Skarsgård, who is the only like, like the mirror mirror version of Roman as close as we've seen. We didn't really get a get a Roman analog at the Pierce compound and the Pierce family, uh, but he is the other sociopath yeah. on the show. Uh, he's he's another like completely vile creature that Roman is able <laughs> to speak the same language of. So Roman effectively. Yeah through like sheer force of will seals his own fate and the fate of the company by introducing Lucas Matson, CEO of Gojo, which is this amorphous like app media brand app, like entertainment yeah. platform, betting commerce, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, are they Huawei? I, I'm not sure what the equivalent in our world would I'm not be sure either. to whatever Gojo is, but, uh, he approaches Lucas Matson in an attempt to acquire Gojo for Waystar. Um, but after a uh, fortuitous text that Lucas sends out, um, uh, implying that they've gotten this enormous round of funding and are suddenly in the black uh, to a great degree, um, Gojo's market cap exceeds that of Waystar Royco and completely changes the conversation from acquisition to, uh, well, basically it's still an acquisition, but the Gojo would be buying Waystar at this point, right? Right. Right. And there's this great moment actually after Roman is successful <laughs> at getting this conversation with Gojo. Um, and they're all at this table and he's kind of like flaunting himself to Jerry and <laughs> Jerry texts him and says, great job, Roman. <laughs> this is maybe the, the best part of season three. <laughs> and Roman accidentally sends his father uh-huh. intended for Jerry a dick pic. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> so Karen Karen Culkin's face uh, upon realizing what he's done should be in the Louvre. This should yeah. be th- this is a a, a masterwork of art. So Karen Culkin's so fucking good in this. He's a little 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 sadist. He he's sending this dick pic to Jerry to just fuck with her in the boardroom. He's sexually uh-huh. harassing her. It's terrible behavior. Sends it to his fucking dad. Can you imagine, Jesse? Can you fucking imagine? No. <laughs> oh, so this, uh, they're in a meeting with Gojo's lawyers. They're uh, prepared to negotiate a buyout of Gojo. Roman fucks everything up. Uh, Logan has to call him to the other room, confront him about his sexual deviancy and his perversion. Uh, and it just ruins everything. God damn it. God damn it, Roman. Your dad saw Roman your fucking dick, bro. Had it. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Roman was right there and like within seconds ruins it. <laughs> and that was the moment that he was uh, passed over for succession. That was it. Yep. Every every kid gets one. Every single kid gets one. And it was a dick pic that done it for Roman, which is very, <laughs> very fitting and very poetic for Roman as a person. We love it. We love that. <laughs> so so uh, at, at this point, where is the family? Like Siobhan has gotten so frustrated in her place with her place in the family uh, and having been overlooked time and time time again, having lost control in the, of the company in season two, having had to take a photo with uh, with the fascist politician that the Roy family has thrown their weight behind. Um, she's she's taken out all of her frustration on Tom at this point. Um, 
It's safe to say Shiv has not been an outstanding partner to Tom Wamsgans in their marriage. Um, Neither of them are good people, but Shiv has been uh, extraordinarily abusive and dismissive of Tom this entire time. Uh, And Tom has been dealing with the pressure of a likely stint in jail. However... Oh my gosh, Tom researching all the jails is excellent. (laughs) Tom taking Greg to a Denny's analog at like midnight to teach him what he should know about prison food um, and explaining that like the grayest food that you can order here is basically what you'll get, but you got to take the flavor out of it. You can't expect there to be flavor inside the food. Um, Tom resigning himself to his fate and then being told that he gets a get out of jail free card and having the most cathartic earth shattering triumphant scream like primal scream overturning the desk in greg's office jumping onto the filing cabinet oh jesse so good it's an excellent tom moment he just god damn it (laughs) <laughs> I love Tom so much. Okay. So Tom, I like uh, Tom was not necessarily my favorite character before season three, but uh, goddamn if he isn't at the end of it. I, I love this man very much. Um, and Siobhan having uh, declined uh, uh, affection and awareness of his situation, having taken every opportunity to rebuff his advances at starting a family, at being a love for him, at being a home for him, um, has secured the fact that Tom uh, ends up conspiring against her in really, really subtle ways throughout the season. So Tom's big moment, I think, uh, is when he goes to Logan, hat in hand, when the DOJ investigation is at its height, at its peak. uh, Yes, oh yes, yeah, yeah, Logan. If someone has to go to jail, uh, now that can I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. I'll I'll eat that shit sandwich for you. Um, and Logan agrees, of course, uh, but says I won't forget that. Um, uh, like thank you for coming to me with this. And he earns the loyalty of Logan Roy in a way that no one has throughout the series run. Uh, secures a place at the table forever. Goes from nothing to the only <laughs> sure bet in Logan's life right then. It's oh, fucking phenomenal work. Just great. And I love that that everyone is telling him not to say anything. Don't yeah. say anything. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? No. Like I know I'm gonna go. So like, let me just go tell him that I know, and then. You know, like I will be, I will be the sacrificial lamb being willing to take this bullet for this company Mm -hmm. and whatever his intentions are, they work. They do. And uh, I think his, his thesis statement uh, is shared with us in, um, it's the episode where they're, they're going to the, uh, the, like basically CPAC, they're, they're going to the, the political action conference to pick the next Republican nominee for president. Which is Uh, just also bizarre. uh, Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, that that's that has the uh, the season's maybe second horniest moment when uh, <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when what what is I'm gonna look up the guy's name because he he's, he's named very beautifully. Um, anyway, so the guy from Weeds is <laughs> the candidate that Roman likes the most, and they have this moment oh, in yes. the bathroom where yes. Roman is moisturizing his hands and might as well be licking his lips at how how horny he is for this neo Nazi. Beautiful shit. 
beautiful <laughs> shit. Um, but anyway, so uh, while Tom's in the, the depths of his depression and his uh, acceptance of his uh, pending prison sentence, um, he receives a call from Kendall to meet. Uh, Kendall is playing every card he has. He knows he's running out of options. Uh, but he summons Tom to the same diner where he went with Greg to present, <laughs> practice prison lunch um, and makes his final plea. Like, uh, this family doesn't fucking love you. They're never gonna. Um, please come with me. I, I will treat you the way you deserve. Uh, and Tom basically says, look, Kendall, man, I like you as much as anyone can like you. Um, but all I've ever seen is you getting fucked by Logan. I think that's what's yep. going to happen. I've never seen Logan get fucked once. Uh, so that's good. it. God, the, it, the, it's the whole series, Jesse. Yeah. Tom yeah. lays up the whole series. And Tom is fucking right. Uh, like, like no one who ever has gone against Logan has gained even a small, meager victory over him outside of maybe the press conference that Kendall launched. Look where that got his ass. Uh, right. Tom has secured his, secured his future and a future for the Gregs in his life. It's beautiful. Um, and so I think that the tables really turn here when um, Logan goes to talk to Gojo guy. Um, oh, yeah. And, and the conversation becomes, there's this great moment where he basically kicks Roman out of the conversation and says, go back home sweetie I'll, i got it from here um <laughs> at the behest of i don't know if you caught it when you saw it but lucas Matson makes him do it he gives a little side glance to roman during the oh, meeting right like right, shouldn't right. he shouldn't he go home at this point he go yeah and, and logan says yes logan agrees Yep. And so then they have this conversation. And like you said, it's less about an acquisition and it becomes more about a merger of equals. So Correct. essentially they would be a, uh, they'd be one company, but um, uh, run in partnership together as opposed to, you know, one owning the other. Well, um, yeah, it's. I think it's a little more clean towards the Gojo buying them out at this point. Oh, I, think, I see. Yeah, Fair I think Gojo, Gojo is worth more as a company, and it makes more sense to both of their oh, uh, right. shareholders. And, yeah. and Logan basically says it's probably time to sell, which is basically what, what everyone has sort of been telling him for right. the the whole but time he's not gonna fucking listen idea. it has to yeah. be his idea that's correct and when he shares his idea his exhaustion the little speech he gives Matson about uh all of this is so fucking boring except the conversation we're about to have but america he's talking to a fellow immigrant like logan is a <laughs> is uh he's a scottish man who grew up in canada eventually became an american by dint of his business ventures and Matson is uh scandinavian he's he's swedish i think uh, as is uh, mm -hmm. alexander skarsgård but he's talking to a fellow foreigner about, or fellow immigrant rather, about America used to be something. And everyone is now skinny. Through meth or yoga, they've given it up. The dream is fucking dead. This is boring <laughs> me. I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to give up the ghost. Please buy my company. And it's really beautiful. It's really like sad and aching. Uh, and I mean, Brian Cox, just, there's nobody better than Brian Cox. He's the fucking best. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. And, you know, all the while we sort of continue to see Kendall's spiral and the second to last episode, which we were just talking about of season yeah. three, ends with Kendall with his kids nearby, mm -hmm. just high and drunk off his ass in a pool on a floaty and sort of sticking his head in the water. And yeah. that's where the, the episode ends and you're you're kind of left to wonder, is he going to be okay or 
does he die here? Right, right. <laughs> and we've come to the only time that uh, Jesse has had to wait for Succession to come back on the air. The, the only, the only that week you've had to live in limbo. That was my only cliffhanger. The work of the club literally, team. I had to wait probably four days for that episode. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> to come out. Um, did you? Ultimate- what did you think of that? What did you think? Well, it was funny because I think Jason was the one who said, oh, my gosh, are they going to kill him? Um, Because I think um, in the preview for the last the season finale, they they showed they they don't show him. And they showed Logan with his arm around um, Iverson. And um, they were they were sort of having a moment like, oh, my gosh, did he die? Like you sort of think that I didn't. I didn't think that at all. I didn't think no, he was going to die. I was like, there's just no way that, that they would kill him off. No. Um, but what struck me was like, they they probably should have, I think, maybe. Maybe. Uh, because like- Why? Kendall, well, well uh, Kendall has reached the conclusion of his story. I think mm. from like a, a storytelling standpoint, from a poetic standpoint- Like he's uh, tried everything. He's tried everything. And I think like the most- uh, like Kendall's most natural endpoint is suicide. They've alluded mm-hmm. to it the entire series. They've seen him on rooftops and pools, yes, uh, like right. having manic episodes and helicopters. You know, there's that great uh, moment where he's on top of the building and there's yes, no, there's no glass. And then the next time he goes up there, there's glass. There's a lot That's of glass. Exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So he's he's lived this life um, of just obscene luxury, obscene influence and privilege and he it's never been enough and it never will be so i think the natural conclusion for a character like that would be like to realize truly once and for all that it never is to have the meeting with logan where uh where logan makes iverson eat the mozzarella because it might be poisoned uh (laughs) that was crazy also oh god damn it this season is so sad uh and and like what what better like what more appropriate shit for this year to have the sad succession season um but the the speech that Logan gives him of like I'm not giving you the fucking deal I'm not buying you out you're stuck I want you close to me forever and mm-hmm. saying that that uh, life isn't rainbows but rather it's a fight for a knife in the mud is just some oh. dire biblical shit um, yes that was great yeah so great so uh, at the end of the second to last episode the penultimate one I was like they're not gonna kill him but I kind no. of wish they would because I I I don't as as much as I loathe the whatever the real life analog of this person is, I, I love Kendall. The, the the my my better angels tell me I shouldn't, but I do, and I don't want to see him tortured for another season. You know. Well, and that's just it. At this point, he's been tortured for two seasons. Yes. Um, so so he needs to either catch a break or die. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Like, I don't know where they go from here, especially with the end of season three, which we should just talk about now, Let's which go. is yeah. that. Um, <laughs> well, where are so, they? Where are we in the world right now? They're in Italy for right. um, for Logan's ex-wife's wedding to a new Lady man. Lady Caroline Collingwood. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, which is also an excellent character. Ooh. <laughs> I love her so much. And, and they have, there's this great moment that she has with Shiv where she's like, I never wanted children, most of all you, essentially. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, well, Kendall has daddy issues. Shiv definitely has some mommy issues. Uh-huh. And essentially, she like goads Tom into having sex with her to start a family by telling him that she hates him and doesn't love him at all and all of that. It's terrible. God damn it. (laughs) Awful. Anywho, they're in Italy for this wedding. 
And um, essentially, they discovered that their father has decided to sell the company has not asked them any questions about it yeah. or brought them into the conversation in any way, arguably nope. kicked them out. And there's this great meeting of the siblings in essentially like a parking lot or an alleyway. Oh, um, my God, Jess. <laughs> in Italy. This scene I thought was so fantastic because this is where Kendall sort of breaks down and... And says, this is what dad has on me. Um, and he'll never not have it on me. And the siblings are like, that's it? <laughs> that's all he's got on you? And they're like, it sounds like you're kind of the hero here, bud. Didn't you try and save his life? And they they like, they come to Kendall at, um, in aid at this moment. But yeah. in all of the most awful ways that you can try and justify oh, yeah. this kid's death and you're watching it like feeling oh i'm so glad that kendall was able to get that off his chest and his siblings there there to support them but also uh -huh. like what the fuck <laughs> well his, it's so beautiful jesse his salvation comes from the fact that they are the roys they are the only yes. people on earth who he could have brought this information to <laughs> and been given support in turn yes oh Gosh, it's a great scene. Oh, it's really good. So beautiful. So Roman is Roman. Shiv is Shiv. Shiv has her like stoic, competent, let's move forward. Um, I think I think I saw, th this is a compliment, I swear to God. I saw a lot of you in Shiv in that moment. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, that's fine. Okay. Let, let's go. What are we going to do? What are you going to fucking do about it? Let's go. Um, so I've leaned on you for that support many times in the past. Thank you for being there for me. Uh, and then Roman is Roman. Roman, dejected though he may be, comes out with like, who hasn't fucking killed a kid? Uh, like, exactly. It's a, it's a rite of passage. Like, who, like I would have been fucking out of there. I would have bailed immediately. And you stayed around and <laughs> dove like, multiple okay. times trying to save him. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're a, you're a hero. So uh, Kendall finally unburdens himself of this tragic shadow he's been carrying for two seasons. And, and you do feel for uh, him. You're like, I'm so glad you were able to uh, save that candle. Oh, you wanted to die an hour ago. And uh, here you are in what is as close as you can get to a loving embrace of the people in your life. Really yes. beautiful shit. Um, and yeah, so the stage in that scene is fucking phenomenal. And Just it, great. Beautiful shit. And so, then it sort of sets up. <laughs> The, uh -huh. Okay, well, now we're in an alliance together here. Um, we've got to come together and figure out how to stop our dad from selling the company and essentially screwing us over. So yep. what happens, Corey? Take us home. Well, they... they put their heads together and they recall a an obscure clause in the divorce agreement between Logan and Lady <laughs> Caroline um, that prevents Logan the privilege of selling the company without consent of the children. So she had built in in an uncharacteristic act of love or most likely spite for Logan years ago um, a, a basically a, a, an escape hatch for the kids like the he cannot sell the company without your consent. So with this information in mind and their new band having come together they make their way to logan's battle station um they they make their way to the hotel where he's staying and uh confront him for the final time about the company um then jesse we get this brutal shit where logan finally has it out with the kids, screams at them, mocks their voices, is, levels with them and is honest with them and says, this was never fucking yours. You're playing with toy soldiers. You're children. You were never in consideration for this. This has only ever been mine. I met an adult. The adults have spoken and we're taking this shit away from you. 
And then he gets Lady Caroline on the phone, doesn't he, Jesse? Yes, he does. To reveal that they have agreed for some unstated settlement in favor of Lady Caroline to waive the clause from their divorce agreement and give Logan control, complete and utter control of the company and permission to sell uh, and completely cut out the kids from the agreement. And you're like, how did he know? How did he know that they were going to do this? How would Logan have known that his three kids were trying to figure out how to stop him? Does Logan have some unmentioned psychic power? Does he have? Is he that powerful, Jesse? (laughs) It turns out he is not. But he has the allegiance of some very key players, and their (laughs) names are Tom and Greg. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So So, Tom, being pushed around too much by his not-so-loving wife, says, you know what, Greg? Do you want to be on top with me? Do you want to go fuck shit up with me? And he says yes, and Uh they tip Logan off. That's right. And that's how that's how this this season ends with this beautiful like vignette of Tom comforting his wife um, ha- after you having seen him you know getting a hey thanks man from Logan that's um, correct and and he's behind her and comforting her and she's sort of maybe putting together what maybe possibly could have happened because he's the only one that she told um, and boom. The season is That's over. It. A final <laughs> betrayal for season three. Oh, it's so beautiful. <gasps> Jesse, what an hour of television. What, what like, an what, hour. What a 30-hour stretch of television they've given us with this fucking show, Jesse. It's I, true. It's oh, true. Oh, man. Okay, so let's just while we're here at this point mm-hmm. in the story, let's talk about season four. Okay. What, what fucking happens? Are the kids still together? Uh, are, do they still have any kind of camaraderie? Is it them against the world now? Where do we go from here, bud? Well, that's the big question. Like, uh-huh. I I don't know um, how, because they're, they're certainly not going to get out of this hole. So perhaps it's sort of about what they do whilst they're in it. Um, yes. Sort of the aftermath of this. Um, like, it, it, <laughs> Like, they have no power anymore, so there's no... None. There's no agency here for them to take over or to challenge their father or anything. Nope. So it's sort of, like, there's got to be... The writers are going to come up with something great for us to sink our teeth into, but it can't just be that it they have to move on with their lives you know no, of course like, not. we know we're not going to get that out of a season four um and this but... is what they do every season every season they 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 jump off the cliff essentially like yes and they leave us in a state of like well they can't possibly pull this off again like like where do they go from here they were and that's that a lot of great television does this i'm thinking like the breaking bad writing model of no mm-hmm. we just got to write him into a corner into an impossible situation and we have to force our writers room to write around that like if we're able to come up with a solution to that problem that is that feels earned that feels shocking and surprising what a treat that's going to be for the audience exactly and they, they've done it time and time again on this show like where do you go from kindle revealing the documents at the end of season two uh where do you go from kindle having killed a kid um they're gonna do it they're gonna do it and it's going to be spectacular. They have earned my complete trust at this point. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so I guess wh- wh- where does that leave our characters? Our, our kids are still fabulously wealthy. 
They they didn't lose their shares in the company. Yeah, they're not going to be poor. Exactly. So they are still uber wealthy, but they are completely cut off from the company, presumably, um, for having gone against Logan at the last moment. He tells them, you should have trusted me. Uh, right. Especially Roman. Roman was in. Roman was bound for a high-level position with the company, barring whatever Matson has planned for the, the remnants of Waystar. Once it, it's a part of Gojo, he's probably going to fuck everyone over because uh, yes, he's the devil. But. But they were there. Roman, at least, was very secure. And they should have fucking trusted him. Um, so now they just have to be rich elsewhere, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do with their wealth Ugh. now that they're no longer in the running for this company? And do we want a season of... Because we saw, I think, in season two, when Kendall... Um, no, no, no. It, was it... No, when Kendall... It was... I don't know what it was, but when Kendall had hired Frank to kind of be his uh, yes. investment partner and he was meeting with art collectives and shit like that and going to Prague to try to win over cokehead artists, <laughs> millionaire kids, um, like, it, do we want a season of that? Do we want a no. season of like, exactly. So th this is my, this is my concern. Um, I know they're not going to, they're not going to do a sturdy like that, but th there's a good chance the the next is going to be the final season as well. There might be a fifth. Oh, really? Uh, but but Jeremy Strong has like made it very clear in multiple like high profile write ups that he has uh, he has ended his relationship with the character so to speak like he's reached his mm. like artistic conclusion with him uh, so which is kind of why I, I kind of wish they had killed Kendall a little bit yeah uh, fair enough I could totally see that now yeah because we're not maybe not gonna get the good stuff while he wants to focus on other shit but I don't know I don't know uh, I. I, I'm excited to see what happens. Whatever. Here's it is. to season four. It'll probably oh. be what sometime next fall. Next fall, uh, yeah. That will that will get that season, but we'll just have to wait wait in quiet until that happens. <laughs> if there's one thing we've learned in the last couple of years is that uh, nothing is certain in this life, not even succession, uh, barring not a, even season four of succession. Not even season four, uh, we can have nothing truly beautiful in this life uh, except one another. Uh, so. Uh, like barring any major COVID calamities, which we shouldn't, uh, we have no reason to believe there won't be more. Uh, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was me knocking on wood. <laughs> I, I hope it was real wood. Uh, I don't have the it best was. furniture. Uh, no, <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so yeah, what uh, what else is there to say? That we missed acres of content in our discussion. Oh my of gosh. This. I think that we have to end this podcast by saying it's probably a show worth watching. So oh, go man. watch it because we missed a lot of stuff and it's way funnier than we allowed it to be <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're not in a funny mood. Maybe like, like this is just we we don't have much of a plan going into this, bud. We just let the spirit move us. And this is what yeah. the spirit had to say today. That's fine. we like the spirit. <laughs> Love him. Love that dude. And we'll be back soon with more. I think we've got some plans for our next couple of episodes. So we'll see you. We'll see you on the next one, Showstoppers. <laughs>